Hello and welcome to the Nordic Keyforge podcast. Uh, we are back uh, just over two weeks since the last one. We're trying to keep on this two-week one. Uh, my name is Jason, the Captain Kirk, and uh, I'm here with Zaramis. How are you doing? Hi. Have you missed us, people? Have you missed our very relevant commentary on this game? We yeah. are... According to sources, the number one or nowadays number two strategy podcast, actually number three, maybe four, still top <laughs> 10, definitely top 10 strategy Keyforge podcast. I would say top 10 Keyforge podcast. podcast at, yeah. Overall. I, yes. I mean, I think there's only 10 Keyforge podcasts out there at the moment. Uh, it beats Jason, being four. Don't, don't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> we have a third person with us who's we do Jonas uh, hydrophilic attack how are you doing my long haired friend yes I'm doing good I'm hearing some uh, motor vehicles in the background I don't know if oh is are. it student then you got free opera y- yeah that sounds a bit <laughs> yeah make a joke make a joke make a joke Jonas you're like you're just quiet here you need, yeah uh... no I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kind of tired, I guess. As always, uh, I mean that is. Cool. A good we'll job. carry you. We'll carry you. <laughs> Excellent. Actually, cool. yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, student and times you can tell yeah. with drunk people yeah. getting up to you in the subway and saying weird things. And yeah, and so for for those who are not Swedes, uh, there are some interesting traditions at the end of uh, the high school year or what is sort of high school here and it is that everyone wears a specific hat and then they get on trucks that move slowly through town all standing on the back of the truck uh, shouting and drinking champagne in traffic and uh, more pouring just, champagne on each other than drinking pouring champagne drinking uh, and they're all entire classes are standing on these truck truck beds uh, flatbed trucks uh, and that is the thing and they clog up traffic every june uh in the gothenburg cities Uh, and it's permitted by the councils as well yep (laughs) you know it's all booked out and everything so it's you know it's it's allowed and they do it it's great they have to drive really slowly because that's the only reason they are allowed on the back of a truck in traffic i mean I, i mean given this week we had we had traffic closed down in large parts of stockholm because one family needed to travel from one place to another uh, <laughs> what? Talking yeah, about oh, the, ro- the royal oh, family. The royal family, yeah. Uh, so, given that, I think it's a better use when you have at least kids Definitely. having some fun instead of some Definitely. group of people born into some position. Uh, Viva la Republic! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 quite a nice tradition. I used to be, I used to work as a, a youth leader. Uh, my wife still works with youth now, and working with young people when they get to this age, we get it. We got invited to like all the student and parties, and so around this time, we didn't need to buy food for a couple of years. Ah, lovely. You know what we this just is? Get involved. Yeah. You know what this is, Jason? What's this? This is highly more relevant news than news coming out of the Keyforge world. <laughs> possibly possibly in europe at least <laughs> we're still I mean, here yeah europe like has there anything happening keyforge is there a new set no one knows oh we're still waiting we are still waiting was that your was that your way of telling me to shut up again 
Yes. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> oh, man. Starts already. No, um, it's actually more mocking the fact that we are, we're talking about that instead of talking about a new keyboard set after two years. Uh, yeah, we don't it's exciting. Have yeah, we are really running out. We're really scraping the bottom of the barrel now in terms of <laughs> subjects yeah, to pad I mean, out we, these episodes. We nearly went down to one episode a month for a while, just because, like, you know, tumbleweed ember but i do think yeah. that our uh, our topic today uh foreshadowing is actually pretty good yeah no i think so as well we're gonna get on to that in just a second but just um, a second just in half an hour because just in half comes. an hour after <laughs> after 50 minutes of fortnite hold get comfortable go and get a cup of tea everyone uh we we're, we're here all night um, you mean uh, I, we can keyforge shut up simon <laughs> Um, one thing I want to point out, talking about the hype, I mean, we can talk about Woe and we will be talking about Winds of Exchange when we get it to Europe, when we get our um, backer kits. But I want to just say, I'm one thing that's making me excited is some of the YouTube content that's coming out. Like Dinobot yeah. is doing some really good deck techs um, on YouTube, going through his decks and actually going through the combos in his decks, which is really awesome to see. Ember Meaders is um, doing some really high quality content. And all these normal. people that I had no idea they existed or did Keyforge content are suddenly showing up. It's like, hey, this is um random person doing our deck opening. I'm like, who are you? Are you? Have you been here? <laughs> totally. And in many cases, they haven't. They're like, yep, we're back in Keyforge. Yeah. And I've never so heard about them. <laughs> My request to all our listeners, go and find them, like them, subscribe them, yes. give them the reason to do more Keyforge content. Uh, we need more. And also, there's new Keyforge podcasts popping up. Um, Wild Wormhole, um, guys, they are doing an unplayable podcast on board games, and they, they're they doing actually a few bit of Keyforge stuff within this new podcast they're doing even they're not doing wild wormhole stuff, but that is um, pretty good content. And um, our friend Zach Armstrong has launched his new podcast this week, uh, Keyforge Public Radio. Um, three episodes out now, so he's doing... Three episodes a... in one day. Yeah. I know. I was. Yeah, he uh... always has to overachieve and show us, <laughs> like, <laughs> reveal us for, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. the lazy people we are. I mean, I he mean... he does this. He does this very well. I mean, he's he started up a new company now, which is about producing podcasts as well. So we know that this this the production quality is going to be like top notch here. But I mean, if we wait two years before we do a new podcast, we could also have three episodes. <laughs> that is true. Released is at true. the same time, no problem at all. Some of them might be from a year earlier, but. <laughs> <laughs> fundamentals of keyforge might be the same hopefully at that time yeah, yeah. i think we would need three episodes just to talk about what uh, the forge year forge year the forge year yeah yeah so we get, we get an episode each our... for our uh, year of keyforge yeah anyway there's some great new podcasts coming out as well and i think there's a a, a couple that are returning as well is it the war chest some uh, war chests reforged or something is another one that's uh, returned um, so look at that. Um, and I'm I'm just a huge shout out to JT Russell, who has just contacted me yesterday and said, I found a captain deck on World's Glide captain deck. Um, oh, what's your address? I'm going to send it over to you. I was like, great. My first non-pre-release Woe deck will be a captain's deck, which 
I'm really, really chuffed about it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go through that on my uh, YouTube channel, which I'm actually doing a rebranding of um, at the moment. So I'm going to be hopefully relaunching that in a few weeks over the summer. So that's the hype of Woe. Have you guys got anything you're hyped about with Woe? Yeah, uh, I'm enjoying a lot watching Tabletop Royale play their games with it. I just Mm. enjoy the big flashy plays of their set. A uh, little worried that all my 500 DT decks will every single one be made irrelevant by this set, but uh, that's just uh, I was aware of that risk when I bought 500 DT decks. Um, you don't buy DT because you hope for the big competitive no. uh, uh, banger. You buy DT because you love Keyforge, sea monsters, <laughs> and you love Keyforge. You know, yes, yeah, you love playing against yourself, but. Uh, I have hot one take. more. If you, if you hate the, if you hate dark tidings, you hate Keyforge. Hot take. There we go. Oh, yeah, that's a wet. If take. you if if you <laughs> like sea monsters, you might probably like WoW a lot. They have some that is true. good ones. Uh, yeah. No, but I'm I'm really hyped for WoW. Uh, it's it's looking like a fantastically swingy set with mm. a lot of dramatic plays that that have a big impact on the game and. I think that that is a very good set to reintroduce a lot of people to yeah. the beauty of Keyforge and how crazy Keyforge games can be. Um, and that it feels dynamic in a way that many, many sets have not felt. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people pop up in Reddit, in the Reddit saying, um, hi, been a while since i played keyforge haven't played since age of ascension haven't played since worlds collide see there's a new set coming out how do i get it um so people are coming back um our game is returning i've been a bit uh uh excited about uh, having some new rules debate now that we have a new set with (laughs) (laughs) new cards that interact (laughs) in weird ways so yeah that's uh, that's what i've been entertaining myself with uh, Maybe you should have that as a segment, like this week in rule debates. Oh wow, yeah, or something like uh, reflecting it... sophistry or something yeah, like that. Could be yeah, 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 I'd love to see that. What a random name for it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, let's move on to the next segment, which is my favorite. How was your forge night? Oh, can I go first? Can I go first? You can go first, yes. Okay, I have made a detailed uh, breakdown of every single Keyforge game that I've played. Okay, that's long <laughs> that's... enough. That's long enough now, Simon. Can we move on? Do you want us? How was your Forge? In the first one, I played a Rad Penny, turn two, to steal one. Then I also played a Johnny Longfingers, who I then, on the next turn, blew up with <laughs> Implosion. Who I... You didn't blow up the Rad Penny? That would have been no, the better they, play. No, they they killed it already. Oh, okay. uh, sorry, I didn't make note of all opponent plays, so my my play by play will be Im- completely incomprehensible because I've only okay, where's, my, my where's own this, plays. Where's this mute button? Uh, <laughs> see what you're doing here, Simon. Then okay, I that's a daughter. Then that's I a, another daughter that made me draw two more. And I've muted him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, let's move on to Jonas. How was your fortnight? I've we'll unmuted make... myself and then I played. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why is there a mute button that the host can press that you can just unmute yourself? It's only for passive aggressiveness, I think. <laughs> it really is. It really is. 
behave yourselves, boys. Okay, no. I actually, how, how, how has your Forge night been? How are your, uh, your Fortnite? It, it's been fun. I've played a lot of DT to try to get my lineup for next season. Like, what three DT decks will uh, go into it? Wow, you, so you're deciding you're going in with three DT decks next season? A little bit, depending on how Winds of Exchange have. Like, if it, that mm. has arrived and so on, I might not. Mm. But. Uh, right now, the goal is three DT decks, and I'm doing like a, this big process to try to determine which three fits the bill. So that that has been a lot of. Uh, now I'm mostly playing TCO random games and just grinding them through. I also had my last uh, like a league finisher, and I guess this reminds me that we should really do a league uh, roundup soon, because I'm sure some people will want to know. We know that it's a popular segment, but. Uh, my league ended extremely well. I uh, finished my last match with a uh, 3-0 and uh, ended with a 15-6 to uh, ratio. Very nice. Uh, 15 wins, 6 losses, and that put me in the top 3 Swedes for the, um, what is it called? Keyforge World Cup that Zysox is organizing on the NKFL server. So we will see if I have time to play that. I just passed Hydrophilic Attack in my ELO rating that we now have in the NKFL as well, which is also fairly new. Um, yeah, yes. I'm some, really, really happy. Some people very strategically got into uh, a lower division just before the season that would determine who gets picked for the... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, okay, let's... Um, no. I, let, let's, let, let's come with the... Um... It's only it's only reflecting poorly on myself. It's only my own saltiness that you're here. <laughs> that is true. My humble self is like no, I had nothing to do with that. I did not throw any games last season. That is unfound accusations. <laughs> no, but I've had I've had a great uh, weekly keyforge. I've had lots of fun games, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next season. I'm really hyped. Do Very I need to nice. now start talking about some unnecessary stuff so you can cut me off? I think you've done that already. Um, Jonas, have you... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a great uh, a great fortnight. Uh, so I needed to defend... I, I started the season as a second-ranked uh, Swedish player in the ELO uh, with a quite nice margin to finish top three and uh, being picked for the national team. And for these last two weeks, it was really close and I really needed to win them to stay in the top three and I didn't. Uh, so uh, I played against Dinobot. That was a 2-1 loss. I think both of the games I lost were very close and it could have very well have been 3-0 to 1 to me. Uh, but on the other hand, the next match was a 2-1 loss again or 1-2 loss again. And there, I was still only lucky that it wasn't the 0-3 loss. So uh, mm. like I... I I had like a banger, banger library access turn from nowhere that uh, allowed me to key cheat when I very much should have lost that game. Uh, so, mm. uh, but I must say that the the distance between us and the next Swede is very very far. We have like four Swedes in the top uh, in the high rankings in ELO. And then uh, we need to support our national team more. I feel because we have we won't need to bring them back up with us. But I have really just done very poorly in terms of that elo rating this season. It's gone down 
really a lot. And that's what I was hinting at before that I really had the worst time to have a dip in, in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, very poorly. Starts, yeah. You, you talk about this uh, uh, Mac finding the form peak peak form or, uh, or yeah. <laughs> ranking boosting before uh, World Cups and things like that. And I did the absolute opposite. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was not good. Uh, but but I, 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 yeah, go on. I don't think I've played that well uh, this season, uh, and um, I probably I will not replace my decks until I get well. But some of the decks are not quite at the level they need to be. I think. That's interesting. What what would you say? Because you, previously you've always spoken about how like how happy you are with it. Has something changed in the meta, or has something changed? Are are you just playing better decks like in your opponents? Or well, because I'm curious about this since we've talked so much about the league lineups and you kept this lineup for so long. Yeah, I think the the overall deck quality has gotten stronger, uh, and also uh, what I try to target high board control decks that have gotten quite a bit less common since I started. Uh, like I t- like yeah, the I, crush uh, is not yeah. as common anymore. Yeah. No, I've, yeah. I've definitely noted that. Uh, so so that's uh, and that has made my lineup weaker. Um, so maybe I should bring back some. I don't know my old favorite Kota deck, Horseman deck, or something with uh, twenty three creatures or something like that. <laughs> just uh, uh, to mix it up a bit. Yeah, but yeah. And also in the uh, in the KFPL, I was knocked out of the bracket A, which was actually the bracket where I felt the best about going in. Uh, I had my mm. strongest decks there, uh, so I lost to the Sizox on Tuesday. Uh, and so Ban Wrench is also out now. Yeah. Huh. I took. I mean, it was a really poor matchup. It was. Uh, Kota deck that was not quite as fast as mine, but with a lot of but with a lot of steel and also quite fast. Oh yeah, high high stick basically. Yeah. And I identified I really needed to win fast because he had uh, he had mimicry and uh, which could target my uh, nature's call, which would be very oh, yeah. bad with his double. With his double hunting witches, and also he had his own nature call. So, I, and I really thought I need to win as fast as possible, basically. Uh, and then I took a chance and went to nine amber on turn two, and he had his too much to protect. So, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I took a look at it. I'm really sad that he lost with my DT when we tested it. Uh, the DT deck that he played that he had borrowed from me had, like, sometimes it won really like big time against the deck it faced and sometimes it, it lost but it was an Ethan's yard deck and it, it there was a really good like Ethan's yard target in one of the two decent board wipes and yeah so Sysox lost with it and I'm sad that it's knocked out so yeah I look I took a look at both of my potential opponents there and I would have prefer, preferred the other deck than Sysox decks both would look scary but Sysox deck Really was one I didn't want to face with that yeah. range, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, I'm still undefeated though in my captain lineup. So we'll see how how that goes. Uh, very nice, it, very nice that those decks are working out for you. 
Yeah, I've, I've been testing <laughs> Captain Hurricane this week, though, and I have been doing very poorly with it. So after it did very well at the start and in, in the mm. KFPL, like my, my training games have done very, very, very badly. But something so. interesting is uh, the, how incredibly well a lot of the rush decks have done in KFPL, actually. Uh, for example, I know Astron in bracket A is 4-0 with the rush deck. Yep. Uh, with the AOA rush deck. And uh, I believe my Karen is 3-0, I think, with another fast, like high ember, uh, bursty uh, Worlds Collide. And then uh, Nova or Legend of Elena is there with a 19 pip double nature's call. AOA as well, 4-0, yeah. um, with triple Miasma. So like these tempo-based rushy decks have done very, very well in general. Yeah, I think those mm. kind of decks are really strong. Uh, and yeah, that, that's why that, that that are also some of my holes in my in my Hexed lineup. I, don't, I have a couple of those that are very good, but I, if I want to go all in on that strategy, I would need to acquire some more, basically. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Because right now they can still usually ban at least one or even two of the the three good ones you have, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sounds like KFPL has been really good. KFPL um, has been like I'm not even playing good. in it, and I'm having a lot of fun just watching the results and and seeing how it's going. It's and it's very well timed, I think, because we are soon going into Winds of Exchange, and this is like the big tournament where we can finally see. What decks come out on top when all the best decks in the world are basically represented? Yeah. Yes, it's just best of one, but it's three different tournaments with so many different sets, so many different cross-set matches that we've never seen as like uh, consecutively and as reliably played against each other. And I think it's really cool to have this tournament right before Winds of Exchange to really show like this is the best yeah. of the best in one single or three single tournaments. Because in the NKFL, we know that there's a lot of different strategies going on and not everyone is in it and so on. But this is a cash price tournament, the big bang before Winds of Exchange. And it's so cool to see. Yeah, I played against Very a really fun Aaron. DT deck before I faced Sysox. And I just got lucky and, and won out of nowhere by drawing five untamed cards at once. But uh, that deck was a real banger with the, with the capture mm. and the... And the, the the Dino, uh, Medicus Locus, and and uh, Imperial Forge. So yeah, I was a bit sad to knock it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, so really seems feels like Karen has knocked it out of the park then with this uh, Keyforge yeah. Premier League. So really, really good there. Cool, excellent. Well. Um, that was way over your allotted time, Jonas. For your what? Time. We had a lot of time? <laughs> <laughs> Two yep, minutes. we had a lot of time and we, we had used a lot it. Of time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. My, uh, I, I, my Forge Night really is going to be like less than 60 seconds. Uh, you can time it if you really have Less to. than 60 minutes yeah. will be spent on... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're already exactly. on ten seconds, Jason. Yeah. What's going on? I here? had a, I had a really. Good we need game. to suck him out so that it, it takes yeah. sixty seconds to even Jason, start. Like, what are you going to be talking about in your Fortnite? Can you give us a rundown? I can, I can give you a rundown. Do you want me to mute both of you? 
<laughs> we will just. I will do it. I will do it. Okay. Um, I lost three nil in my last game, but it was good. Um, Alvab was a good opponent. Um, really disappointed with my season. I think I. Um, yeah, I really need to look at my lineup and actually pick decks for with a strategy, not just you know six of my eight top decks. Um, yeah, so next season is going to be interesting down in um, Iron, but we'll see what happens. Um, and do you know what? What that is actually an excellent way to go into our main segment today. It really is. It really is. Um, that was some minutes. I'm very yep. impressed <laughs> because I cut them I off. Spoke right uh, <laughs> okay, I've now muted both Simon and Hydro just to uh, get in I, the fact. I can't that... see that. I don't appear to be muted. <laughs> just to get in the fact that I'm also going to be playing uh, Kagi uh, Keyforge as Garfield intended, and the Swindled Chumori tournament. Um, and Kagi, actually, this is something where I think I'm in the same group as Algonon and. Um, Lane two or Mr. Beep, beep, late alert. So that's going to be really interesting. We're going to be talking about that in future episodes. And um, you have. I I give up. Do you know what? I I give up. Segue into what we're going to be talking about tonight. My lineup wasn't great this season. Simon, what can I do about finding better decks in my uh, in my collection? Yes, to today do better in NKFL. Indeed, today we are going to talk about strengths and strength evaluation of decks and how to spot those hidden gems that you might not might have overlooked, but also to know why some of your decks that look good on paper are not as good in practice. Uh, and I have developed a system that I've actually used uh, throughout the last year or so to gauge deck strength and that I want to share with the, the world because I realized that I had not actually talked about it on the podcast. And... Uh, I'm going to be introducing that. And Jonas, you need to unmute yourself if you want to speak. Uh, yeah, I don't have the power to, uh, to, to unmute. I can only, I, only... I was hoping that you would ask me a question and you would realize I was muted and I could say, whose fault is that now? But uh, yeah. Uh, sorry for, for preempting it. <laughs> but uh, what we're going to do is that I am going to introduce the concept and then I'm going to interview a little bit and ask us to find decks that uh, match mm. these things. But I'm also going to ask you listeners to use this and check your own decks and see if you can find any. And if you do, if you find any unexpected uh, great decks that you haven't looked at before, or if you realize that one of your great decks isn't as good as you thought because of this, I would love to hear about it because it has really helped me understand a lot about my lineup. And amazing. this is called Hidden Strengths of Keyforge. And it's a five-point list. And it goes like this. So when you look at a Keyforge deck, the first thing a lot of people see, especially in banning formats and so on, is they look for good cards. So say that you find a deck that has three Infernuses, and you see some Stealing, you see a couple of Red Pennies. It's like, okay, this is a deck with a lot of threatening creatures, but it doesn't do so well. For some reason, it just feels like you play these good cards and then your opponent does something and you have to react to that. Because the first thing 
that I think defines a, a usually a great deck in Keyforge is that it presents threats, not just answers. It produces something in every house of the deck that the opponent has to react to on their turn, or at most give you one turn with it before it spirals out of control. I think we all know these cards. It's like the Hunting Witches, it's the Philosophosaurus, the Oduak against Steel decks. It is Com Officer Grey or the Mutants or a lot of these cards that are just really, really dangerous if they stay on the board. But a threat can also be something like, say you have 11 creatures in a single house and you reliably can play three or four creatures that suddenly can start reaping. That is an, also a threat that needs to be handled. It's not just one creature, but the fact that you have a board of the same house. Uh, in Winds of Exchange, it might be that you just generated a lot of tokens from the same house. So that is the first thing. Like, can the deck in every house you have present something on most turns that the opponent has to react to? Because when you are playing a game of Keyforge, you often see the opponent play their turns and it feels like they're playing the best turns that they can. But they probably aren't. If you are presenting threats, they are actually taking suboptimal turns and you can go like, oh, damn it, they had that board wipe or damn it, they had that spot removal that was required and you feel like they drew the perfect response. But maybe they were sitting on four cards of another house that they wanted to play if you had not played that threat. Then they could have presented their own threats instead, established a board, and you would have suddenly been in the reactive spot. And I think a lot of us have seen these moments in competitive games where you lose the momentum of threats. When one or two rounds passes where you have to suddenly start reacting, you're no longer presenting threats. And that is often because you don't have it in every house. You have your answers in one house, and then you have your threats in another. So if the opponent is checking, you spend a whole turn only checking or only managing their check, but you don't present a new threat. For example, Infernuses is a great example of this. Why they often feel so underwhelming. Because an Infernus is great in decks that also, for example, plays a lot of pips in this. They present a threat by making a lot of Ember or playing dangerous creatures. And they also prevent you from checking. But an Infernus on itself is a bad body or a decent body that doesn't have a pip and that doesn't advance your goal. So that is point number one. Does the deck have problematic three creatures or threats in each house that needs to be handled? Number two, can the deck remove creatures or handle threats either through ready and fight effects or direct removal in each house? And this is perhaps one of the biggest like signs of a good deck that I have found in my own is that they can both advance their own game plan and deal with these must must deal with threats. That hunting witch, you can kill it and play two creatures. You can kill the Professor Terato and play cards that advance your game state. And that is so important because otherwise you're forced into those suboptimal turns. It doesn't matter if two of your houses are so great, if you can't deal with their threats and advance your state, you will end up reactive game state or just hope that you can play enough to overcome their advantage that they get. Number three, can the deck control Ember or at least delay a key in every house in some way? It doesn't have to be a swing. It doesn't have to advance your Ember state, but you will need to say, oh, I can stop you from forging because I also had three creatures in that house and they are now played to the board or something similar. And number four is the 
does the different houses in the deck advance the deck's game plan? And I know Hydrophilic Attack and I have spoken about this before. The Is this deck the one that's trying to race? And this is also one of the latest uh, subjects of the new strategy pod by Zach. Uh, if your deck is a racing deck, but you have one house that basically slows down your own game, for example, Rush decks that I see, their only board control is a lot of gateway to dis in Kota. I usually see them as much less, dan- less dangerous. Because Chains is the worst for Rush decks that need to play the, their optimal mm-hmm. hands all the time. I was and, actually asked by someone to weigh in on decks they were going to bring to, to, to a Vault Tour coming up. And one of their decks was a Rush deck with three gateways or something like that. And I, yeah. I, I made... Just that point that yeah, that's going to slow you down uh, because you you want to have big untamed hands and then when you have a bunch of of chains all the time that that won't happen very often. So. Yeah, it's so so destructive to like uh, to have to take chains in order to deal with a threat instead of fighting or something like that. And then the fifth one is more generic and it's like can the deck actually progress to to keys in all houses but i see that one as the least important but it can replace one of the others like if your deck constantly pushes to check then you might not have to have threats on the board for example or you might not have need removal because getting to check is its own threat that has to be dealt with but it's often the least reliable one because good decks tend to have ways to handle it one way or another uh, they can often do it with lots of small small things that deal with Ember. But this is my five-point model. And uh, for example, a deck that I am, I'm going to just take a very quick example uh, or two before I push it over to you. I have a low SAS uh, MM deck that for many seasons did very well in NKFL. And it often does very well in my solo tournaments. It's called Jorg the Tricky. It's not as good anymore. Uh, I've noticed because the deck quality has simply gotten a lot higher and it's going to be posted in the, the links to this one. But it's probably the best example that I have of a deck that uses this fact so much. It has 13 in SAS Ember control in Eric there, 12 creature control, 8 speed, 23 expected Ember, and it has a little bit of everything in every house. It has, you know, the implosion, and uh, it has some big creatures, some sins in this. Then it has diametric charge, standardized testing, and a lot of damage pips and logos. Mug, booby trap, look over there in shadows. And sim- in similar ways, it has these small things that doesn't look good on paper. It just looks like a random cards, not the triple mark of this, not the multi- It has several infernuses, but that's not really its thing. But it's a deck that did really, really well for so many seasons, and it never got banned because it just doesn't look that great. Because the its strength is in the whole rather than in mm. its parts. So, what do you think about this hydro? And uh, am I completely out in? Uh, I think I yeah, you're onto something. I don't really know that you need the, even more than one of these. I think one of these might be enough. Uh, like you brought up five points and if you just have one i think maybe that's enough to to do what what you're saying like uh, for example i am really into decks where each house want to do the same thing so rush yeah. decks for example 
uh, they are the easiest example of that because they just want uh, they just want to make amber and they might do it in a slightly surprising way like my ban wrench which has a Brobnar house which has it can just stick five creatures on there or six that reap or fight with with war chest and I make amber and you don't expect it uh, yeah and and uh, I think that the more extreme any of the points is yeah. the more you can ignore the others yeah mm. Um, uh, for example, the extreme, the most extreme creature threat one in point number one is probably if you can also ward the creatures. Because normally, if you play a threatening board, but a single board wipe is enough to deal with it, then I wouldn't say that that is extreme enough to sort of ignore the other points. Yeah, yeah. But if you can play a board and ward the, all the dangerous creatures, then suddenly the pressure on the opponent to react becomes so much higher. Yeah, Jason. What do you what do you think when you're just listening to this? Does it uh, answer any of your uh, thoughts or puzzle that you've had? I mean, it really does. I was, I was listening to your first five points while looking over some of the my higher rated decks in my collection, um, and like looking at the my deck that got lost in the post um, back in October last year, and then I realised now we can copy decks. Um, I can still keep it and claim ownership because he sent me a picture of it and i'm thinking when i get hold of this deck this deck actually does tick off a lot of these a lot of these areas which makes me even more excited by it um looking at your deck that you sent out here you yeah you can really see where just the very small things. I mean, it's 18 creatures, so it's above that 16 creature threshold, which I like to mm-hmm. think of a, 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 as a good deck. Um, it's got a strong enough board to keep a board if if you need to, but then like the expected number is 23 is over that 18 threshold that you can just get to your three keys just by playing the pips. Um well, sort of the expected ember isn't really just pips. It only has three, 13 pips. Oh, but... it's only got 13 pips. Yeah, I'm reading, yeah. reading that wrong. But, I mean... But, yeah, but it, it, has it, some, was... it has some cards that steal on play that can yeah. almost kind of yes. count as yeah, pips. exactly. Yeah, and, you might uh, not quite 23, but maybe like something like 18 at least, like true expected number. Yeah, and, and uh, for example, some small things that people sometimes don't think about is such things as the Dino Thief who can exalt, and then you can mug it to to mm. get the like a basically steal while also removing a creature and, and similar things. Yeah. But I, I would like to uh, bring up an example here that Jason sent me earlier and said, uh, "Here's a deck that I'm thinking about bringing back into my lineup," and he had two different examples. One of them was called Hector Graxul Sommelier, the Vion Lungo. It was the one that was doing well right now, right? Yep, it does. Let me just find that myself. Yeah, it will be posted in the links as well. And the other one was yep. Ra Mirodapper, the amiable senator. And he said, I'm thinking about bringing in the second one. And I compared the two. And the first thing I could see in the Hector deck was that that deck had creatures in every house that had to be removed. It has like, mm-hmm. and this is something you can look at as a viewer or listener is look at your houses and see, does this present threats in every house? Because that's such a great way of looking for things. It has like 
This one has the Morpheus, it has the Grey Spears and so on in Starlines, but then they have the Uduak Philosophosaurus in Saurian. And in Logos it has at least the Babbling Bibliophile, but also Edice that will slowly slow down the game and so on. So it has stuff in every house that needs to be present needs to be removed, which means that its need for creature control won't be as high, because a lot of the time the opponent needs to deal with creatures either by fighting or removing the board. And then it can just play a new turn where it plays the most effective hand that it has. And then you look at another deck, the second one of example, where Jason first, when we were just talking about earlier, said, oh, but this one has 26 creatures. It also has like a, a big board with stuff that needs to be handled. Where the big difference is that it has two houses where the creatures are only basically there to reap. They don't present a threat that escalates into higher threat, the more cards or more ember or something. They're just big bodies that will reap, and that's what they do. So no matter if it has more creatures, it doesn't present an escalating threat. It only presents a threat that any creature could perform that task. They're just a slightly more harder to remove. And I think that that is a much more useful metric than how many creatures the deck has. Unless it has so many in a single house that it can, that pure reaping becomes the main threat. But Jonas, uh, for example, what uh, what deck? Do you have any decks that correspond to this that you didn't expect to do well in your? Sorry, that uh, which specific point? No, uh, uh. any of them except except for Banrange. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, this point of uh, decks that like can can do uh, uh, answer to threats in every house, I think was one of the. Uh, mm -hmm. yep. uh, so I have my my Pharaoh deck, which has been performing a bit worse lately. But what that one does very well is it ha it has amber control in each house, it has board control in each house, uh, and then on top it can build. A only in Star Alliance, but it can build a threatening board in Star Alliance. Uh, yeah, so it... this deck, for example, has three subject Kirby's, which is a typical card that has to be removed. Yeah. Uh... And and uh, but, but the main point there was for, for the point about uh, having answers is then I have a Yes. Uh, or uh, um, I, I don't think I have any deck that has like threatening creatures in each house, actually, mm -hmm. uh, that's not the type of deck I've been. No, indeed, it's a very different from your style as well. Uh, yeah, but I think that this system is also very good at figuring out why decks are bad, because you can also use it to look at your decks that you think should be good and realize if you need if you should put them to the side and say no, this just it's not me, it's the deck, because. <laughs> Mm. They have, they feel clunky for some reason, and people don't realize why they feel clunky. But the reason is almost always that you constantly have to choose between dealing with something or advancing your game plan. You have to use the bad cards or the good cards to just answer what's going on rather than advancing a game plan. And you have to do it in odd houses that you normally don't want to do it in. And I think that's uh, like going through these points and seeing if it's really lacking in one of these. That could also ruin a deck. If it doesn't have the extreme nature that Jonas has, 
in the, like where the Jonas mentioned where a deck can produce so much ember that it doesn't need these points. But if it doesn't have one of these points that is so good that it can sort of overshadow the others, then lacking these can turn a deck with great cards into a deck that just feels bad to play. Yeah. And I realize that it's not so much of a discussion topic, but uh, it's I really hope... good information. It's really good information. It's making me look at a few decks which I've even spent money on, thinking ah, maybe that's why I got them as a bargain. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know that those are usually the decks I'm selling. It's the decks who arrive. They look great, but oh, they're sort of bad. Was, is that you in disguise that I bought from? I thought that was an Italian guy, but yeah, I, I use other names so people don't uh, discover my my trick. That's no, I mean that's really really good information. I don't think I'm going to have to do a lot of work before next season. I know that much, um, and then it even means there's a lot of decks that I can rediscover at the same time. Um, Hopefully, and that that would be really, really great news. And I think that one of the most interesting aspects of this is realizing how difficult it is to have a good reactive deck. Yeah, because a reactive deck needs not just to be a handle one, two, or like of these. It needs to be handle all of them. Like a really good reactive deck has to be able to deal with all things in all houses because it does not play a proactive game plan. And I think that that's one of the reasons why so many of the top decks in Keyforge, especially in Diamond and so on, are extremely proactive decks. We've seen a lot of very low Ember control scores, for example. Uh, because when people start prioritizing proactive stats, they realize that Ember control is actually a bit of a waste if your deck can get to the win faster than the other. Yeah. Then every card of Ember control is a deck that is not advancing the game plan. And you might think like, oh, but holy crap, this deck only has like four or three Ember control. Yeah, but it has 30 speed and yeah. 28 Ember, expected Ember. They usually have a lot of creature control though, because that's one of the few things that can create more Ember than a rush deck is a board of six creatures that just reap. Uh, and that is why the so-called crush deck has been so popular for a while and is now being outpaced, I would say, in the meta by just pure zoom that themselves usually play in, especially in MM, but also in Kotas we've seen in KFPL, where rushy decks that also present threats is now taking over from the crush decks a bit. And to your point about reactive decks i think the kind of reactive deck that can maybe do well is uh where those reactive abilities are on creatures so they can stick around and yeah. reap and present yeah. the threat even though it's only a reap normal reap threat it's at least something so it's not just a reaction it's also it's a reaction that can potentially do something more so like just a, a dino mutant that deals removes a creature when it comes in and then it can reap uh like yep. uh yeah. Or 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 a, a card that steals one when it comes in, and then it can reap or something like that. Yeah. Exactly, where it, it's both a threat and a answer to something. Yeah. yeah. I think my biggest takeaway from what you said tonight, Simon, is how, for example, York the Tricky is a deck that is a good deck because it's the sum of its parts rather than it being a five good cards. Yeah, and I think um, a, a big example of why that is is that the two Infernuses are 
some of the least important cards in that deck. They could just as well have been some other Ember Control cards. Yeah. Uh, they it's not a control deck. The Infernuses don't remove things that are particularly important. They are just used as a tempo tool to get rid of some, especially against lots of pip decks with like you know the Dust Pixies and so on. Mm, mm. But they're just there to be one way to create control Ember. I see one card in that deck that often works as a kind of hidden hidden star, and that's the Sloth. That one always puts in a lot of work against me. Yeah, uh, Sloth is really, really great because that's a typical threat that it's a pretty big body, and it doesn't yeah. have to reap. It works even in it works the best in non-dis turns. Uh, I agree. Sloth is really good uh, with that. Another card that does well in those kind of situations are are cards that like Val Jericho. One of the best reasons why Val Jericho is such a great card is that it's a threat even on off turns. Yeah. The leaders that have to be used are so much worse than the leaders who yeah. work even on their turn. Like, yeah. And I think that that's something to really look for are cards that does their thing on off house turns because it's yet another tool to present threats. And then you can take another turn. Yeah. You can take go into the other house. Well, as we know, the, even the most dangerous creature that has to then call the same house again are so much worse. Like even if you have so dangerous creatures, if they can't do their thing in another house, well then they're not that great. Or they're not as good as they as they can as the, as the as the equivalent yeah. that yeah. can do it. And it's one of the reasons why Worlds Collide Saurian and Worlds Collide especially Star Alliance is so good. Is that even with the small Star Alliance board the best ones. You have the Grace, you have the Spears, you have the Kirby's. It is a house that can throw away, archive, or in other ways, use the cards that you have in your hand while also reaping and playing the house that you have on board. While as soon as you're making choices where it's either I reap with these or I play cards from my hand, it's immediately a much less optimal choice. And people don't always realize why this is so, but it is a lot about that, like combining threat with advancing your game plan and drawing into your reactive cards. And it's also one of the reasons why I, if I look at the deck and see too much to protect and these big impact cards, but they don't have any archiving, I basically discount the card a lot more. Like, especially if they're multiples, if they have like the two gateways, too, too much to protect, I'm like, okay, this person will have to sit and shame themselves. Yeah, because either they play the card and then I know it's not there, or they need to shame themselves. Its own those cards are so much better in decks that can archive them. Like they are multiples better in like uh, many times better is the right word in cards that can archive them, or can draw into so many cards that they will have them. And a lot of people just see the card again and say, "Oh shit, it has three Ronnies and two TMTPs and you know." Yes, they're great cards, but not if you have to hold them. Holding a card that will steal yeah. two for three rounds, then you would have been better off playing just any other card already. <laughs> I, I find myself doing that quite often, whether it's like, is it cutthroat, cutthroat research when you steal two? Cutthroat research. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ne never hold it. 
Never. And I found this because I found it, it was in a deck where that was my rare Ember control. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to have any, anything to do, then I've got to <laughs> hold on to it. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got to get a better deck. It will never do something in a deck where it's no. the only Ember control because your opponent exactly. will never go above seven. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I need to get a better deck. <laughs> well, Flat Germ that I play, one of the good, best reasons why it can, like, ex- this is a very common theme I notice as well. Decks that can exalt a lot, but then have a TMTP. That is another reason how you can use a TMTP actively rather than reactively. Rather than waiting for your opponent to go up the right amount, exalting up a bunch and then like stealing it back the moment you kill it, even on your own turn. For example, I often Kaimor Eclipse it mm. and then I steal. Word of returning uh, is really good for this as well. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. No, wait, sorry, not word word... returning. Uh, no. I was like, wait, no, uh, that doesn't do that at no. all. The, the Shadows card that deals two and puts the creature back. Uh, oh, uh, in, in, in yeah, the... hit and run? Hit and run, yes, that's what. Yes, yes. <laughs> Where you can pick up the big, uh, yes, the big uh, XR, like, uh, because, and, and that's a way to use a reactive card proactively. And that's another sign yeah. of many good decks. They can use both the cards reactively or proactively instead of sitting holding it or archiving it for that golden moment when it will finally have a big impact. Um, and I've seen some beautiful plays with Keyhammer in Kota. I think it's Kristoff who has a deck, which its entire thing is playing Drumble multiple times over and over again, and then Keyhammering, and then... Uh, um, what is it that he does? He does something that takes... a is it face shift, key hammer, and then graft? Or graft, like I think, or so, something like that. Because no, that's a really it, nasty maybe. combo <laughs> that that's I've played against. Thing. But I think it's mostly uh, key hammer and then drumble, and then he has the graft ready. Mm. Uh, so he drumbles constantly. Yeah, here it is. Double drumble, arise, uh, key hammer, and then it has inter- interdimensional graft. Does it have any terrors? That's a card I usually don't like, but it's really good with rumbles. Uh, no, it does not. But it's just the first time I got play had this played on me with the hysteria drumble. It captures all my new ember, and I'm like, oh shit, I can see it. He will key hammer me, take all the ember, and he's sitting there with a drumble with like 17 ember. And the worst part is, if you kill it on your turn, you have very few ways to to deal with. What's going on? So basically, you 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 have to forge for exactly six uh, with exactly six in your pool, and then not make any amber on the turn after. That's the only way to be safe. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a beauty to see, and I I saw is that deck beat uh, like a incredibly good deck in I think it was the finals against Lorenzo. Lorenzo had this crazy board with all the good Saurian creatures in the world, and he had like everything, but couldn't deal with the Drumble, like just sheer amount of Ember that the Drumble could get. Um, so it's very cool. Oh, and lots wow. of small yeah. steals in, in Shadow as well to like stall out and Miasma and so on to, to draw into the Drumble cards again. <laughs> Sorry if we were uh, spoiling your secrets here. Uh, yeah, I've just found the deck it? now. I've just been looking for the deck. Yeah. The Nightmare of Hyperfield. It's uh, the only deck, or maybe one of the two decks where I've seen Keyhammer 
do something because mm. it actually unforges their key and gives him ember and yeah. it's so beautiful gives him ember and then drumble yeah it's like you gain six ember is that card and you unforge a key how great is that that is like yeah. a, one of the biggest cards you can have in key, in key <laughs> forge oh very nice well, yep. I think tonight has been uh, very eye-opening for a lot of us. Um, probably not more than myself um, for a lot of people. So thank you so much, Zaramis, for that. Just to let's double, let's uh, just recap those five points. Um, I'll try and summarize these. Does yep. the deck have uh, problematic creatures? Can the deck remove creatures? Can the deck control Ember or delay keys in every house? All of these is in every house. Oh, in every house. So, does it have, can it present threats in every house? Is number one. Threats in, can, okay, does it present threats in every house? Uh, can it um, handle threats or can it remove the creatures Correct. in every house? Um, does it control Ember or delay keys in every house? Can it advance what the deck wants to do in every house? And can it generate Ember in every house? Yeah, which is sort of the, the two last are sort of connected to each other. But yes. Ex yeah, exactly. But the fourth yep. is more. Yeah, cool. Well, there are five points to your NKFL um, success for season 21. Um, that's the five points to my NKFL yep. success. And again, the rule 21. is if your deck does one of these or two of these so extremely well, then it can compensate for not having the others. So remember nice. that as well when you look at things. Very nice. Well, I think we will um, call it a night there and say thank you very much uh, for listening. You know where to get hold of us, the NKFL Discord. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, at Runners to Win, Hydrophilic Attack. You're on Twitter. What was your tag again? Uh, hydro underscore attack. There we go. And Zaramis, he's on Discord. He's on Facebook. You can find us anywhere. Let us know what you think. And see you in a couple of weeks. Forge on the prosper. Good night. Stay hydrated.